Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Today I want to just share a few thoughts with you, a few truths with you about what makes church so important. Why is it so important and why do we need to see it as important, not only in the earth, but in our own personal lives. You know, as children of God, if you have put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and come into the family of God, then, then you're more than just some, somebody who's eking out an existence or someone who's waiting to go to heaven. See, God has a thing he's doing in the earth. He's doing a work here in the earth, and he's called all of us as members, all individual members of this body, to come together and make this happen. Jesus said, I will build my church. I will build it. And so right now, it's still in construction Still, we are still under construction. We're still being built, but, but you know, that's the good thing about uh, being built. You know, we know we're going somewhere, but sometimes we don't look like we've been anywhere. Huh? But we can know that as long as he's the one, he's the one who's doing the building. Because what we know this about God, this truth from the word is that whatever he starts, he finishes. All right? And he is... He's going to finish this work in us. Amen. I thank God for that. His grace is greater than our failures and our sins, and and he loves us with an everlasting love. But it's important that we take a few minutes here today to see why church is so important. What's what's the point of it in the earth? Now, I know I'm talking to people who are in church, so obviously you see that church is important, at least at some level in your life. But I just want to encourage you in that commitment and and to, to become even more aware in this moment. Maybe think about some things about the church that you haven't thought of in a while. What makes it so integral to our own lives, and, and what purpose does it serve on an individual level as well as worldwide? So, but before we go there, i, I got to tell you this. Oki um, walked into a shoe store. Any Okies here? I'm the only Oki in the room. Okay, well, all right. And here I am going to tell on my own people. This Oki walks into a shoe store, and he tries on a pair of shoes, and the sales clerk comes over to him, and he asks me, he says, so how, how do those shoes fit, sir? And he said, well, he said, they're, they're actually a little tight. And, and so the sales clerk bent down and got to looking at his shoes and his feet, and he said, well, try pulling the tongue out. And he, and he said, they feel real tight. <laughs> All right, you're welcome. Moving on. Ephesians 5.25. Glad I don't get paid to tell jokes. Husbands, love your wives. Let's let that set for a moment. Husbands, love your wives. This is a good moment to kiss her. I'm Right now, you may kiss the bride. Yeah, look at it. Absolutely. Yeah, that's nice. Love your wives. Now watch. Just as... Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Now look how important the church is to God. From this one verse, we see something extraordinary, that he loved the church and he gave himself for the church. He loved the church and he gave himself for the church. That puts the church at the top of the list of important things. Now, We're going to go to Acts chapter 2, verse 47 now and see this first thought 
on what makes the church, why is it so important? Acts chapter 2, verse 47 reads as follows, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. This is the very beginning of the church. The church has been birthed and started in Acts chapter 2. We know something marvelous happened. It's a long chapter, but at the beginning, Jesus has already ascended up into heaven. He told the disciples, go and wait for the promise of the Father. The Holy Spirit's going to come, and and when he comes, you're going to be endued with power. And so in that moment, as they're sitting and they're waiting in this room, they're praying together, that the scripture says that all of a sudden there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and one sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It was a marvelous thing and there were people from all over the place. Jews had come from all over uh, to Jerusalem for the feast and they heard these Galileans speaking this language And it was interpreted miraculously to each and every people group and every dialect where they could all understand it in their own language. I mean, God did this this marvelous miracle showing us, showing them that the Holy Spirit has now come and now you're empowered to do what you need to do. So here, toward the end of it, he says, as this is happening, now God is adding to his church. See, one of the things, one of the reasons the church is so important, why it's important, because this is how God adds to his family. This is how God adds to his family. I don't know if you know this about God, but he loves family, and he wants a big one. Amen. Amen. He, he doesn't have some other plan for adding to his family in the earth uh, and, and growing the kingdom. The church is the one and only plan he has. And everywhere that they went in, in missions and in preaching the gospel, you can see in these Old Test, uh, I'm sorry, New Testament scriptures that that they planted churches wherever they did that. You know that we're in in the not-too-distant future going to be planting a church in Swaziland, Africa, which I'm very excited about. One Cause Church, Swaziland. Wow. McKinney, Irving, Granbury, Swaziland. (laughs) Taking a giant leap of faith. And just so you know, you know, last last Sunday we had Ethan and Collins here, both native natives of Swaziland who are here in Dallas, and they are um, getting their education at Christ for the Nation so that they can get equipped, and then we can start the work there in, in Swaziland, right. that they needed some help with tuition, and uh, we brought that need to you last Sunday, uh, that they were short $3,000 in my family. Between the first service and this, and this service, you guys met the, the need. So I want to applaud you for that, and thank you very much. Uh, what you've invested in is, is going to ripple throughout eternity, as the great theologian Maximus in Gladiator said. Gentlemen, what you do in life echoes in eternity. That guy was preaching a message, man. What you do in life does echo in eternity. What you do for the kingdom, what you do for the church, what you do for the Lord will last forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. So they built churches, and you know I've been a part of, of crusades and big crusades, uh, in in uh, like in, in Africa this past year in Uganda, and that was an awesome thing. And even sharing your own testimony one on one with people is is really a good thing. But there really is, is nothing as marvelous and grand as the establishment of the church. Amen. Um, it's God's best idea for winning the world to Jesus. Yes. You know, men and women get married to build something. And they, 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 they get married to build a family, to establish a, a home, and to, to leave a legacy. 
God has a purpose in his love for the church, and that is to take over the world. He wants to add more and more to his family. Why? Because God loves people. See, the, the, the reason the church is here, we come and gather here week in and week out because we want to offer a, a picture, if you will, of God's love for people, that we love to gather together and, and around his name for his glory because we're so grateful and thankful to God that he saved us. And, and we want to invite as many people as we can into this experience, into this marvelous family called the family of God. I want us to, to move on. We're going to, let, let's look at the, the second reason. Let's look at Acts chapter 11, verse 25. It says this, Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. Tarsus is a, a, a coastal city where a man by the name of Saul was from. Saul later who became Paul and wrote much of the New Testament. But Saul at this time was a terrorist to the church. I mean, he was doing everything he could to destroy this gospel message and to do away with people who believed it because it was really, he saw that as nothing but a threat against his own religion, his God, and everything else. So Saul did everything he could. He was was indignant. He was zealous. And so he had uh, papers from his authorities to go into people's homes, to drag men and women out of their homes and take them and put them in prison for their faith in God for their faith in the gospel. And this is what he did. You could call him the, the Osama bin Laden <laughs> against the church in his day because he really, had, he really thought what he was doing was for God. He really did. He, was, he thought he was fighting for God and his purpose in the earth, but then he had an encounter with God. And on his way to take more people to prison, Jesus decided he was gonna have a little visit with him. So while he's riding along on his horse, thinking about the first house he's gonna ransacked, all of a sudden the scripture says a light shone from heaven. That's in Acts chapter 9. And he was knocked off of his horse and Jesus speaks to him from from the sky and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So you can imagine what this must have been like for Saul to think, and I'm not persecuting you. I'm helping you. And then he says, who are you, Lord? See, Saul realized, he he, he realized that he was Lord, but he also made another confession in asking that question. You're Lord, but I don't know who you are. I thought I knew. And Saul found out that day that you cannot be pro-God and anti-Christ. You can't be pro-God and anti-church. You can't separate the two. If you love God, then you'll love his church. Because that's what he loves. That's what he gave himself for. I'm not saying that the church is a perfect entity, but we're in the process. Huh? We're his thing. We're God's. This is his thing in the earth. And so Saul figured that out. And you know what? This guy named Barnabas heard about this conversion, and all the other disciples were deathly afraid of him. They heard he got saved. They're like, he ain't saved. That guy's trying to kill everybody. He's just using this as a tactic to to get to us. But Barnabas saw past that because he knew that the Lord had called Paul, now formerly Saul, now Paul, to people like us, that is the Gentiles, those who were not Jews, which makes up 99.7% of the planet. He had a big audience to preach to. And that's why this gospel is still going out. And so Saul was brought into the family, and, and so um, Barnabas brought him in. And so look at verse 26. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And so it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. See that? They taught a great many people, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. The, the second reason why the church is vital in the world, but why it's so important is it's how he God trains and teaches his family. 
Not only how he adds to it, but it's how he trains us and, and equips us for life. Because, you know, it's, it's easy to get saved. It really is. It's easy to be saved. Jesus made that easy. Not, 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 <laughs> we didn't make it easy. Jesus made it easy for us. That he took upon himself the, the punishment of all of our sins. And he reconciled us to God. He brought us into a right relationship with God to those who will simply believe on his name. Isn't that amazing? That we couldn't work for this. You can't work for salvation. You can't work for grace. All you can do is believe it. That's what he did for us. He provided the way. So now he says, by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. God wants you to have this salvation. Why? Because that's what he wants. Because he loves you. But how many of you know that being saved and in living like you're saved are kind of two different things? Amen. Let me say that again. I think I lost you. Did the microphone go off? I don't know. If it, I, I said being saved and living like you're saved are two different things. Living the part is process, right? In the spirit realm, it's all completely true. I mean, he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. As a matter of fact, as far as the spirit realm is concerned that you are a spirit, praise God, and you live in this body. That's the essence of who you really are. You're perfect with God right now through faith in Jesus. But now you've got this mind that you've got to walk on this earth to use, and you've got this body to deal with. And you've, if you've been a Christian for five minutes, maybe six minutes, that you figured out that this body don't want to do Christian things. Hmm? This tongue doesn't want to say Christian things. This hand doesn't want to wave all the fingers all the time. There, the, the, you're always fighting. There's this struggle going on between the you, the real you, who is delighted at the things of God, who wants to do the right thing, and the flesh who is fighting you on every turn. So how are you gonna, how do you do that? How do you live this Christian life? Well, the scripture says, Paul said in Romans chapter 8, with the mind. I serve the flesh, or with the mind, I serve the spirit. So you got to get your mind right. you got to get your thinking right. Well, how are you going to get your thinking right? You're going to keep coming to the house of God so that you can hear the words that will change your life. It will help you change the way you think. They'll give you new knowledge, new wisdom, new understanding, new insight, but you cannot, outside of a continual training, outside of a continual teaching, you cannot expect to live a life of consistency. All right, this is why we come here. Not to say that we're perfect, but to say we need help. We need your help in the earth, God. We need your wisdom and we need your grace. We need your help. And so we come and we hear the word of God that brings wisdom to us. You know, have you ever been sitting in church? And I know this has happened to me many times. And the preacher starts preaching and you go, oh my God, they're talking right to me. Then you almost feel like they were bugging your house or something. Like somebody made a phone call about your issue and now he's going to take it to the pulpit, right? I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've sat there and like, oh my gosh, okay, God, I got it. All right. Am I red? I mean, Lord have mercy. Because the word is so powerful. The word is alive. And if you'll just sit under the word, the word can now come to you and start searching out your heart and start helping you. And start helping you. Start speaking to you. Start ministering life and wisdom, correction if necessary. You know, I found that I needed correction, and I found a lot of that in the church. And I thank God for it. I needed correction to help me avoid certain pitfalls and troubles out there. 
And God has brought us to church to teach us those things. I was telling the earlier service that some of the things that I know I've learned that have really impacted my life, you know, I've been in church all my life, whether I liked it or not. Even as a pastor, whether I like it or not. (laughs) No, I always like it. But some, there are some things that I saw that I learned in church that really changed my life. I mean, you know, Heather and I, when we first got married, we decided, and we were broker than the Ten Commandments, man. I mean, I'm telling you what. We, oh, Lord, I still look back and think, how in the world did we even make it? Um, but we did. And I look back and think, God, you were so faithful to us. You really helped us, and you brought provision for us. We decided that we were going to be givers no matter what, you know? And, and that, I'm telling you, that wasn't an easy decision. There was nothing about this body that felt good about that. Especially I'm, when, you know, you got more month than money, and, you know, how are we going to do this? How? But it opened us up to a huge world. Giving helped us come into partnership with God in real practical kind of everyday ways. We started seeing his hand in our life. People, I'm talking people just out of the blue just coming, just giving us money for no reason, just or blessing us with a car or doing something. And we thought, where did this come from? And it came, this giving opened up, opened us up to a greater reality because this world's way of thinking is one of, you know, hold on to as much as you can and store up and save up as much as you can. And I'm not saying those things are necessarily bad, but my family, all, most of the time, all that is, it's fueled by a fear of lack, a fear of not having enough, a fear of, uncer- of, of an uncertain future. But you know what? When we got into this giving, I, I found for myself that that fear of lack just went away. It almost felt like, it almost felt like we were being careless Imagine that. That's exactly what God wanted, to live careless. Cast all your cares upon him, which means you need to be careless. Well, if I don't care, then I, if, if I don't worry about it, if I don't, then I won't really care. So, try not caring. Try walking by faith. Try believing him. It's an amazing thing, the rest and the joy and the peace that comes from that very thing. And everything about the, this world's way of thinking and this flesh is going, ah! And you can be in perfect peace while you're freaking out. I mean it. But that's one of the things that really helped, have, have really strengthened our life. And, and then also, just knowing how important it is to get the word in your mouth. Not to just hear it, not to hear a sermon. Hearing sermons is good. But getting it in your own mouth and applying it into your situation, into your life. I found that, that, you know what? God's word is true, and it works. And if you'll believe it, and you'll confess his word, you'll see the results of that promise in your life. His promises are there for us to take hold of, to live by, not to just having a nice little book. I got my promise book. Well, good. But how about living in it? How about living in these promises? Because Jesus Christ, in him, 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, for all the promises of God are in Christ, yes, and in him, amen. All right, which means he wants you to have them. He wants you to have his promises operating in your life. That is healing and blessing, strength, joy, peace, 
provision, all those things, all those things that God promises. I mean, there are oodles of promises throughout the Scripture to those who will get them in their mouths so that they can get them in their lives. Because everything about your life, my family, at the end of the day, follows what's coming out of your mouth. If you don't like where you are, change what you're saying and take your life in another direction because it's following your tongue. Amen. It's following your tongue. So you get his word in your mouth, then you can live the kind of life. And also praying in the spirit. I mean, speaking in tongues. It's a powerful, powerful gift that God gives to anyone who will receive it. I know it's been a tremendous help for me in my life through the years. When I didn't know what to pray, Thank God for the gift of the Holy Spirit to be able to pray in other tongues and to get a breakthrough and to get the peace of God to come through. The Scripture says that we don't know what we're praying when we pray in the Spirit, but what we do pray is mysteries. We do speak the secrets of God. We declare the things of God when we pray in the Spirit. It's a marvelous thing. So I want to encourage you, if you don't pray in the Spirit, do it as quickly as you can. I mean, it'll help you. I'm telling you from somebody who's been praying in tongues all my life and still to this day, I still think it's the weirdest thing ever. They don't stop me from doing it because I've seen the results of it. I've seen the power. I've felt the, the, the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in it. And so I just want to encourage you in that. But those are things that have really rocked my world. Those are things I learned in church to help me to experience God in my life in a greater way. Maybe that'll help you. I don't know. Amen. You know, you all have your own testimonies about church and what, it's, what it means for your life, what it's taught you and how it's equipped you for your, for your life and for your experiences. I think if we took some time here today, passed a microphone around, each of you would have a story to tell about how God helped you, how the church has taught you some things and, and really enriched your life. Verse 23 of Acts 14. Are you still with me? Yeah. All right, stay with me. So when they had appointed elders in every church and, fa- uh, and prayed with fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So the churches were strengthened established in the faith and increased in number daily. Do you see that? They were established in faith. Another reason why the church is so important, so vital to the earth and to our lives is it is the epicenter of faith in the earth. This is where we learn about faith in God. Let me just say this to you. All you need is faith in God. Whatever trouble, circumstance, issue you're having, God has given you a measure of faith so that you can activate that faith and overcome every circumstance. It's an extraordinary thing. You know, we, we, we live in a, in a time in the earth right now where, uh, where everything is questioned and we're trained to be skeptics. We're trained to doubt something. We're trained to argue something or to question it rather than to be believers. The scripture does not train us for that. It trains us to believe, to be believers because believers are receivers. Doubters are go-withouters. <laughs> Believers are those, because see, here's the thing. You don't have to, no one has seen God at any time, the scripture says, but we believe in him. You believe in him. You believe in his message. You believe that Christ died for your sins. And it's going to take that faith, that invisible realm, that invisible force for you to activate and to live by. Well, how do you live by faith? What does that mean? Well, you hear the word, you believe it, and you declare it. All right? Faith comes by hearing. Faith is released by speaking. All right? Faith is enacted by speaking. Praise God. So uh, we walk by faith. We walk by believing and speaking. We also have the same spirit of faith, the Scripture says, as I 
as it is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. So the spirit of faith is to believe and to speak. All right? To believe and to speak. So this is the epicenter. That is, we get God's word in our hearts and in our mouths. And that we say what God has said. This is a powerful thought. Faith in God is not a gamble. Faith in God is not wishful thinking. Faithful, faith in God is not another realm of superstition. Faith in God is assurance. And we need real assurances in our life. This isn't, well, I'm going to try Jesus. I've tried everything else. Huh? He's not even in that category, my family. He is the real deal. And your faith in Him is the victory that overcomes the world. Whatever trouble you're facing today, whatever sickness, whatever lack it might be, all you need is faith in God. Believe Him. Believe His Word above what you're seeing. Believe His report above what you've heard or what you know in the natural because His truth endures to all generations. God is not a liar, and He will not be mocked. And He watches over His Word to perform it. The Scripture says, let God be true and every man a liar. Amen. He doesn't lie. He is the truth. And when we believe Him, no matter what we're seeing, no matter what we're experiencing, my family, that's when you're in really good shape. That's not denial. That's not denial. Faith isn't denying things as they are. That's called Scientology. All right, Scientology is, if, 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 if someone who has that particular belief is sick, Scientology teaches them to deny that sickness, to make a confession of, I'm not sick, I'm not sick. Well, that's stupid. Yes, you are. But here's the difference between walking by faith and cult practice. That is, if you are sick, we don't say I'm not sick. We just say I am healed. You see the difference? Faith is not calling those things that be as though they are not. Faith is calling those things that be not as though they were. Amen. So he's given you what is in his word. And if you don't have what is in your life, then you declare what is so that it is. (laughs) Amen. So this is what... This is the epicenter of faith in the earth. And see, the world, my family, the, what the world needs now. <laughs> there you go. They need to see people who are living by faith. That your life with God really is different. It really does speak a message for you and to them. Amen. That life with God is not just like everybody else's. Amen. Can I get a good amen? All right. Okay. I'm almost through. I'm almost through. I know you're thinking about football. (laughs) It's kind of like, okay, who we got to root for? All right, I'll take the Jaguars as long as they beat Tom Brady. (laughs) Verse 27. Now, when they had come together, come and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Oh, that's good. They reported all that God had done with them. Now, look, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 12. It says, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will sing praise to you. Now, if you read this passage of Scripture that's really interesting, you know who's doing the talking here? It's Jesus. 
Look at it. This is Jesus saying this. I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will sing praise. Do you get this? When you open your mouth and sing, we have this gathering. Jesus is singing through you to the Father. Ooh. Man, that's, a, that's an awesome thing. That's an awesome thing. See, you, you see how important it is for you to enter into praise and worship? For you to open your own mouth and sing because it gives him an opportunity to sing with you and through you. To the Father. I will declare your name to my brethren. And see, everyone, did you know everyone has an, their own individual tongue print and it is just as unique as your fingerprint? See, God made you to say it how he likes to hear it. And only you can say it like he wants to hear it. Everyone has an individual tongue print. And when you offer up praise to him, all oh, that's special to God. Even in the masses, you know, millions of people are gathered around today right now in worship to God. And amongst all those millions and millions of voices singing and praising God, he hears every individual voice. It's all so important to him. You are important to him. You, the church, gathered together to bless him, is so important in the earth. Because this is where people come and give testimony to the goodness of God, to his grace in their lives, and to give him praise. Can you just offer him up praise right now? Just, just, just the fruit of your lips saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. See, he loves to hear from you. He made your tongue to bless him. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We love you today. We love you today. Thank you. And lastly, Acts 20, 28. Therefore, take heed to yourselves to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Another reason why the church is so important is because Jesus bought it with his own blood. He died to have it. He died to have the church. Died for it. A horrific, a horrific, torturous death at that. He paid the price for it. Praise God. I'm grateful to live in this great country. How many of you still believe that America is the greatest country on planet Earth? I do believe that. Despite who's in the White House, it doesn't matter. This is still a great country. Let me just say, they're all goofballs. I don't care how many, line them up, Republican, Democrat, they're all, they're all whacked out, all right? They all got their issues. Thank God that that's not what makes our country great. Huh? What makes our country great is a government that is of the people, by the people, and for the people. Amen. And there are politicians through the years who have been you know, chipping away at our Constitution, and some of them act like it don't even exist. But they're flawed. They're, they have issues. And I was telling the earlier service, this is as political as I'm going to get, all right? But I think it's important that you hear it. As an American, let me tell you something to do and to hold on to with everything in you. Your Bible and your guns. Your Bible and your guns, because once those are taken away, you're a slave now. All right? That's one of the great things about our country is that we have freedom of religion and we have the right to bear arms. All right? That's what separates us from so many other countries. All right? So, okay. Why did I say that? What was I going with that? Huh? I was going somewhere. Maybe not in a good direction, but okay. Oh, yeah. I want to, but, but think about it. Think Thank God today that there are still those, those who have 
those who are doing it and those who will continue to do what they can to um, ensure, who are willing to give up their own lives even if necessary, ensure that we continue in this enduring freedom as Americans. Yeah. Amen. Right. This, our freedom was purchased as Americans with blood and continues to be. Your freedom in Jesus, your freedom as the church of the living God was purchased with his own blood. That's how precious you are to him. Christ died for us even while we were sinners. What is the church worth to God? It's worth what he was willing to pay for it. He was willing to pay everything. And that's how the value of something is determined by what someone is willing to pay for it. And God so loved you and I that he gave us his son. The, that means the worst kind of people doing the worst kinds of things can be saved at any moment, can be saved today because God valued all of us worthy of the blood of his son. Amen. Father, thank you for this time together with your precious people. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in all these individual lives. And Lord, what you're doing corporately as the body of Christ the church. Thank you for the church. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I personally can attest to that the church has saved my life. The church has kept me experiencing the goodness and the grace of God and new beginnings and mercy and love and growth. I, I thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for paying the price that you did, not only for our sins, but God, that you did it for us, the church, to ensure that we have a future that is full of hope a future that has sure victory for those who will believe. Your word says, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Thank you, Lord. If you're here today and you don't have a, re a personal relationship with the Lord, may I invite you to do that right now. To not lose one more minute without him to not live one more minute without his grace and mercy and his presence in your life he loves you he loves you dearly and he was willing to look past all your faults and failures every wrongdoing that you ever did and offer forgiveness and salvation you were born a sinner all of us were all of us were born in sin. We're not sinners because we sin. We're sinners because we're born. Because we're born. But God chose not to leave us in that helpless state. He sent his son to die for our sins. And then he would raise him from the dead three days later so that whoever believes on him. Today, if you don't have a relationship with the Lord, let me encourage you. Invite Jesus to come into your life. You'll never be the same. It'll be the greatest decision you ever made. Just say, Lord, I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that God raised you from the dead and I want you to be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for forgiving me of all of my sins. Thank you for bringing me into the family of God. It's that simple. It's that wonderful. It's that free. And he invites all of us to come to grow his family so that when you close your eyes in death, you immediately are in his presence. That everything on this earth is not everything to your life. This is just a stop. This is just a short span of time, and then it's eternity. And you can, you can have that eternity with this good, glorious, and loving God by simply accepting His Son. Amen. So receive Him today.
Be blessed today. Be encouraged about the church. Give yourself to what God has given himself to in service, in attendance, in inviting people, in giving. Give yourself to it. You will find so much meaning. Let me tell you what you'll find. I found this personally. The more I gave myself to the church, the more the other areas in my life and my desires got fulfilled. Now, I don't know how that works, but I just know it works. I just know it works. It wasn't a distraction, actually, from other desires. It actually helped get those things fulfilled. All right? Somehow God multiplies the time and makes it happen. It's like you're interested in what he's interested in, and he blesses you for what you're interested in. (laughs) It's beautiful. So just, I want to encourage you. You're always welcome here at One Cause Church, and we always have a seat for you, and we always have something for you to do, a place to serve. This is where you really find a lot of fulfillment in serving his mission, sharing his message, and showing his mercy. You know, one thing that we're here to do as One Cause Church is that we are here to help people realize who they are and what they can do through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. So I want to encourage you in that. Bring someone with you, and let's continue to grow as individuals, and let's grow this church together. Amen? Hallelujah. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you, Lord, for great grace and mercy upon your people. Lord, whatever they have need of here, you know it. And I thank you, Lord, that you provide for them, that you supply all their need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.